Ebb and flow inspires persistence and determination during the rhythmical patterns of decline and regrowth in life. Each episode, I bring on an inspiring and influential voices who are here to help us stand strong and walk through the ebb moments of life and propel us to the peak of our health, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, so we can live our life in the flow, individually and collectively. This includes strategies, habits, routines, focus tricks, questions, and much more that we can use to live our life in the best way in order to maximize our service to others. Thanks for joining me today. I hope you're as excited for the Ebb and Flow podcast as I am, but to make sure you don't miss any episodes, subscribe now on any stream, check out YouTube, or visit SolomonEzra.com to learn more. It's not often that we look at our beliefs behind areas of our life like health and fitness but it's really what's driving our attitudes and behaviors. Despite the vast knowledge we have about fitness and nutrition and the availability of resources, when it comes to health and wellness, if our beliefs are limited, then our results will be limited. Something within ourselves needs to change, and that's why I loved speaking with today's guest. My guest today is Luca Hosevar. Luca is an entrepreneur, national best-selling author with The Fit Formula, strength, fitness, and business coach, and former professional basketball player. Luca's journey starts in Slovenia, and he shares his background growing up and how basketball and his own coaches influence his life to become one of the top fitness coaches today and founder of one of the most recognized fitness performance and transformation gyms in the U.S. He has a strong thirst for knowledge and studies everything he can get his hands on. During our conversation, we cover a lot that Luca and Vigor Ground integrate in helping their clients, including fitness, creating empowering belief systems, behavior change, sleep hygiene, and the coaching skills it takes to help a client improve. Luca and Vigor Ground Fitness have been featured in Men's Health Magazine, The New York Times, Stack Magazine, where he was also featured as a writer for, and much more. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Luca. I want to do really appreciate it, uh, your time for uh, being flexible. I know you're really busy, so I'm I'm really grateful that you take the time to you know find me to put me in the schedule. Uh, you know I love learning, and when I listened to you for the first time on uh, Sean Stevenson's podcast, I instantly resonated with the stuff you're saying, and always have been passionate about behavioral changes with training, and because there's something I always wondered about growing up. Um, we'll dive into, um, but like I said, thank you. And before, like I have some other kind of questions, I want to talk about, you know, like what you said, you're passionate talking about behavioral changes, movement, uh, nutrition, kind of like the keys to, I like to say, living a day, living a life in the flow, you know, when everything else kind of takes care of itself, essentially. Uh, but first, I, I also played college basketball and had the desire to go play professionally. And I know that it played a huge role in your growth and development. So I'd love to hear a little bit about your background and growing up in Slovenia, if, if I'm not mistaken. And, you yeah. know, how, how, what was it about basketball that really drove you to, you know, become the, the fitness leader that you are today? Um, I mean, man, we could go <laughs> a lot of different directions here. Yeah. And- if I go down one road, we can go down one road for for quite a bit. Um, I mean, certainly, like you know, think about basketball. Like I got into basketball probably when I was like uh, hardcore, like pretty hardcore when I was about eleven years old. Um, and I think you know, it's it just like 
for most, I don't know, kids and people like you, you seek, something, right? You seek to be a part of something. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, actually, it was, it was, it was, it was interesting because I'd play ball and like I was a short kid, so I, you know, um, especially if you come from the Balkans, you, you know, most like when you see the guys in the NBA that are from like Serbia, Croatia, Slovenia, like they're, they're usually pretty tall. Like I'm six foot in my sneakers now, but like yeah. as a kid, I was, you know, sure. I was pretty scrawny and I wouldn't get picked a lot. Like I wouldn't, you know, it wasn't like, Oh, I want that guy to be on my team. I actually be left out a lot hmm. or be like, Oh fuck, we got to pick that, that kid. Um, you know? And so when that came a lot of like, you know, you get a chip on your shoulder. I was the youngest, of, you know, I, I got two brothers. I was the youngest of that. Um, it was, Same. I was always kind of like that, like, ah, that guy. And so you kind of, you know, you learn to have a little bit of a chip on your shoulder. And so I, you know, work really, really, really hard to try to be accepted. Right. And, yeah. um, and so, you know, but, but of course, like you have to like, you know, I, I like basketball to, to a certain degree enough. I played a lot of sports. I did a lot of shit, you know, I did judo when I was, I don't know, like, uh, 10, but but that was the thing I kind of kind of went with, and I just worked really hard at it because I wanted to prove that I can I can hang. And so, I, you know, so you practice a lot, and that's that was kind of like the gateway into you know into ball. And um, at eleven, I was I was playing for one team, and then at twelve, I got into Olympia, which was number one team in the country. So most of the NBA players that you see that have made it to the league, um, you know, went through Olympia. It was the number one team for the longest time. Um, and, and it, but it was also kind of like if you just got on that team, it meant something. Yeah. So you know, from the from the age of uh, like twelve, I mean, we're talking about you know, I I trained hours and hours a day, you know, and 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 basketball, like I said, you know, you you look back and it's like the I think what's really really important and what sport does if it's done the right way and you have the right coaches is that it builds these virtues, you know, the, the virtue of teamwork, the the virtue of. Uh, you know whether it's loyalty the, the virtue of leadership the virtue of hard work and discipline and you know and, and when you're at 12 you know and you're, you're practicing hours a day and you're practicing on weekends and you know when school's out and everybody goes on vacation but you you know you have off-season training and sometimes yeah. two a days at you know 13 years old 14 like it obviously it builds some type of uh i would say these uh these not only skill sets but it's, it builds these values that later on help you out so that's that's what was very, very helpful. And of course, you know, at that point in time, you don't necessarily see it that way. I, when I look at it back, yeah. uh, I see it. You know, and I, I, the other thing too for me was I got in a uh, quite a bit of trouble. Like I was, I was, you know, uh, we we moved to London when I was seven. I came back to Slovenia when we were eleven, kind of like right around the Balkan War. And my my dad stayed in London, so you know, he lost his job there and was like, "Hey, I'm going to try to work on the side hustle." We couldn't afford to live there, so we went back. And so it was, you know, my mom and my brothers, and my brothers, uh, eventually one of them went to England to play soccer at university. My other brother went to New Zealand to play rugby. So it was just me and my mom, and, like, I was yeah. definitely a knucklehead child. And, and so, you know, I was out a lot, like, out, you know, for friends and streets, getting, you know, getting in trouble and, and later on getting into organized crime and, you know, selling drugs. And, and so my life was really, like, play ball all day as much as I possibly can you know show up in school just enough to to where you know i can kind of sneak through um and then just be out in the streets you know and and, and you know that kind of escalated the later on to where it let, let's just say that it was kind of a crossroads part of the reason i the u.s and, and and go to college it was just I, you know things were getting very 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 hectic and 
you know, there's a point in time where I was like, man, I, like basketball legitimately kind of saved my life where, you know, I, I, my, my coach knew what was going on and kind of like gave me this, you know, this talk and I was like, hey, which direction are you going to go into, you know? And the, the short story is like when I was 17, we went to this camp called Eastern Invitational in the U.S. Um, I loved it. I had a good a coach there. Uh, Wayne Jones was like, hey, have you ever thought about going to college in the U.S.? Um, and, and the thing is, I, I was like, nah, not really, because I was already playing pro ball. But the, the, uh, when we came back, that's, that year when I was 17, a lot of stuff happened for me. Uh, you know, let's just say a lot of things that were heading in the wrong direction. Yeah. And, and Wayne kept in touch with me. And so I started really considering that, right? And he was like, hey, man, come come to Denver, train with me. We'll go back to Eastern Invitational to, to this basketball academy. And, and did really well. Uh, we got some offers, but I just have to walk on some Delaware State, Quinnipiac, Western Michigan. Um, and, you know, I had no clue how the how, – none of that and so essentially like I, I i couldn't walk on we didn't have the money for me to pay to walk on for a year before i got a scholarship and one of these coaches said hey look man like if you uh you know i, I used to go to this junior college in upstate new york you can't get a full ride uh there's only so much money but you'll get you'll play and you know i, I came back to home to slovenia and at that point in time i was like man i you know I got to do this because like, this is taking me away from the environment of where I'm just getting into a shit ton of trouble and yeah. like, things just not, not that great. And like, I just pulled the trigger on it. So, you know, that was kind of like the, my, the quick, the quick breakdown of my journey. Yeah. 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 How, how I came to the U S and then, then I did two years in upstate New York. Um, the two years in Southern Virginia, I did, uh, and then I went and played pro overseas, you know? And, and, and the thing is like, there's always an underlying fitness story here, you know, like from, uh, you know, some of the kind of bullet points there are, apart from the fact that I was in sports, you know, my, my mom worked a full-time job at the bank, and when I was 14, she opened a gym with her friend. And it was like this little 1,500-square-foot gym, like membership gym, you just pay to work out there. Um, I had a bunch of influences there that helped me learn how to lift weights. And yeah. um, it's actually what, and like, I, up until that point in time, I was still that scrawny kid that just worked really hard. And then when I started lifting weights, it was like, oh shit, like now I'm getting stronger than yeah. I can jump higher, I can I can run faster. And so when I was doing that, like it actually, you know, it really made me even more and more intrigued about fitness and strength and performance. So I started studying it, uh, even at the age of, like I said, 14. Yeah. I mean, I would buy every fucking like, uh, I, I, for anybody that like goes this far back, like programs called Air Alert and Air Alert 2 and Apply Shoes and like, you name it, right? I did it all. I read everything that was to read. Never. I might be too young to know about those. <laughs> oh yeah, man. Like I mean, you know, from from anybody that's that's like over, I would say over 30, 30 33 years old, you're they're probably like, oh shit, error. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, but it, it what it did is like I really started studying this with no intention of like being a you know strength coach, performance coach, or any of that. It was just for personal. Like I want to be the fittest, yeah, the highest, and. I mean, I started, you know, I was reading Charlie Francis' Speed Trap. At 17, I, I trained under Sergio Georgievich, which was a really hard name to say for most people, but he was um, the track and field coach, uh, eventually also for Marilyn Adi, which obviously, you know, uh, Olympic medal gold winner multiple times over. 
there was a Slovenian athlete called, uh, her name was Brigitta Bukovic. She was a silver medalist on 110 meter hurdles in the 92 Olympics. Hmm. And, and, you know, I, I ended up training with him in the mornings because my coach knew him. And he said, hey, I got this, this crazy kid. Like, he just wants to, you know, get back faster. Yeah. You know, 6.30 in the morning. Um, and lo and behold, you know, I, I would show up 6.30 in the morning and train with, you know, some of the best, I would say, Olympic athletes, you know. And, and once again, at this point in time, I, I don't think, all I'm thinking about is how do I become the best basketball player. Yeah. I think about you know, a coaching career or anything else. And and so when I went to, you know, even when I went to college, I ended up taking, you know, minor and exercise science, kinesiology, and taking all these electives that were around performance and rehab and, and, and so on, because I was just so intrigued with the body, thinking about how I can improve my own, you know, performance. And, um, you know, at this point in time, I'm also like reading every article on, you know, T Nation and Elite FTS and everything associated with everything else. And so, this is kind of like the background of, I yeah. would say that my coaching career started, you know, a lot, yeah, a yeah, lot yeah, sooner than the first, you know, person that I ended up coaching. Um, but my my first official kind of, I would say, coaching was when I was playing um, pro ball. I mean, apart from like helping guys out in you know the weight room during college and all that stuff, um, I you know I started doing kettlebell training in the early two thousands, like probably earlier than just about anybody. I I did the first RKC cert in Europe, which was 2004, um, you know, almost, almost two decades I've, I've, I've been doing kettlebell training, learning, learning from Pavel and I could, there's, you know, I, I was just obsessed with performance, you yeah. know, for, for myself. And um, so cool. I spoke I played, with John uh, Wolf and Kyle Kingsbury about that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those things where I, I think for a lot of, you know, um, I think for a lot of coaches, it's like if you're an athlete and, and you embrace the performance, you know, from recovery, this be like the, everything that kind of create, you know, puts uh, comes together. And of course, for me, it was it was life changing, right? I mean, life changing in the sense of, hey, I, I wasn't a scrawny kid anymore. Hey, I, yeah. you know, I, I could, you know, I was I was buffer than most other guys. I could, I, you know, when I get in fights now, I'd win fights. You, know? you probably it's, think you probably thought clearer as well, huh? Like you just felt better throughout the day. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, and and so it, it's you as as it gives you right, like as you know, as uh, I would say, strength and performance training gives you more. Right, you, you buy into it more, you believe into it, you believe in it more, and and you. I was just like, just kind of continue to go down the rabbit hole, right? Yeah. But once again, like, never in that at that point in time was I like, you know, if you still ask me at that age, and it's like, all oh, I want to play in the NBA. That's that's it, right? That's the only thing that I'm interested in, right? So. Yeah, that resonates a lot, man. Is, Recently, you, know, you have you have it, it was and a dream, um, but the first kind of I would say exposure to um to where I was actually doing more of it, whereas for one of the pro teams that I played for, you know, the coach was like, "Hey, man, like who does your you know who does your training? Like who do you train with? What do you do?" And, uh, you know, it's like 206 pounds. I fucking, like, really jump, run, be conditioned, you know. And I was like, man, I, I, I do my own stuff. Like, this is my pa- like my side pass. Yeah, yeah, I love yeah. this stuff, right? And he's like, hey, do you want to, like, do it for the team, write it for the team? And I was like, 
sure, man, pay me an extra couple hundred bucks a month. I fucking I'll do it, you know. And and they did, and it's like the results were were great. I mean, I was I was educating people like on stuff because they're like, aren't you supposed to do this? I'm like, no, no, not at all. Like you got to do this and this and then. What are these weird warm-ups? I'm like, oh, it's dynamic warm-ups. I mean, we're talking about, you know, I don't know, you know, it's like 17, 16, 17 years ago. Uh, Everybody was just focused on basketball. Ba- I mean, basketball, and if you were doing strength training, it, there was just so much misconceptions about everything, right? Like, And so what I found myself doing, like, I love the educating part, like the, the teaching part. Yeah. I love that, like I was coaching and helping, and like the fulfillment I got from it. So it, it started there, and then I, you know, I helped with uh, some some soccer players from that uh, that were playing pro with my brother and then my brother's rugby team. Like all these different components. Now at the same time, we were training some people outside um, in in a park in Tivoli. So long story short, like to, you know, in, when you play pro ball, you know, it's not always or any pro sport, it's not always. Uh, sunshine and, and rainbows, you know, and like that one season with three law, like I, I wasn't paid six months. Like what, what ends up happening, uh, I would say quite a few times is that, you know, you sign a contract. Uh, there's some sponsors, all of a sudden they're not paying you. You're practicing twice a day for two hours, uh, you know, being a pro athlete, not getting paid any money. And so I was doing a lot of different stuff from, you know, running my brother brother's translating agency and, uh, and training people in between. So my day would be like practice in the morning, two, two and a half hours. Then I would train people at a gym. I, I, I was out of Sokol uh, sometimes for two, three hours. Then uh, there's a place called Tivoli where we train people with kettlebells. And it just started like a small group, three, four guys. It's a bunch of stuff. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean dude, we're talking about like very, very all over the place. Uh, uh, I mean, I think, it, you know, now I look back at it, I think it was, you know, probably one of the, one of the better things that happened to me, but at that point in time, it was, you know, like you're, you're playing pro sports, not getting paid. You know, the team's like, no, 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 we're going to, we're going to fix it. We're going to fix it. You know, months go on, you're doing this, but, but, you know, at, when I was training people, I was really enjoying it. Like, and I was not making much money at all, Yeah. but I was loving it. Like I was like, I was really engaged with it. I was like, man, it's fucking great. Like I, I'm helping these people out and the results were awesome. And then, that group in Tivoli grew from, you know, three, four people to six people to eight to 10 to 12 to, you know, people are coming by going like, what are you guys doing swinging these metal balls and shit, you know? And, and we're like, Hey, come Friday, first session for free. And it just kind of like, you know, grew. And, and I also wrote some articles for um, this magazine called Sokol, which was Sokol was the, 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 the chain of gyms, right? Sokol. Yeah. Sokol S O K O L. And, and, so I wrote this low back pain article that blew up. And so people would come in like, hey, you're the low back guy. And, and I was like, oh, you train people. And I'm like, fuck. Like I, yeah, so I would take on some people. And I, there was more people that I could take on because I was still fucking trained. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Once a day playing basketball, doing stuff for my brother. And, you know, it was, it was nutty. And But what, what was happening was like there was some traction. And, and I mean – you know, I, I study stuff for years and years and years. And every day I'd still be studying for a couple hours a day, all around training, you know, have products, reading books, doing all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, I went to my brother and said, man, listen, I got this gut feeling like the, I got this gut feeling like we got to do something. These groups are getting bigger. Like the, the people I'm training, like I'm telling you, like there's something here. Let's let's open the gym. Let's start a gym. Um, you didn't and, have any like certification point, or anything. 
you just now I had the, the only thing that I had at that point in time. I mean, I had a minor, obviously, in, in yeah, exercise science technology. I had RKC certification, uh, so I had some things, right? Um, but but at the same, but I had tons. I mean, tons of knowledge and experience at that time already. But but I went to him and said, look, I got a gut feeling, dude. Like we, I think yeah. we should do something. And and my brother was like, I don't know, man, because you're gonna leave because I was already like um, basically engaged. Uh, to my college sweetheart who was from Seattle, from Renton, and we were doing a long-distance relationship, me playing pro ball, she was here. Yeah, that's hard. Uh, and, and, you know, he's like, dude, you're going to leave, you know? And I'm like, well, yes, that's most likely going to happen, but I'm telling you, like, th- there's there's an opportunity here. It's just everything's telling me to do it. So it took me, like, a long time, like, months to convince him and my friend Giga, who are the people that run the gym, plus a, a, another friend of mine. Um, and, you know, eventually we got this 470-square-foot room my brother put about three grand, I think. In, in Renton? In Renton? No, this is in Slovenia. It's still in Slovenia. Yeah, and this is when we started our place there. And um, we put about three... And, you know, we opened some times. We had some, some class times and some times that we were training. And it got really, in a matter of months, it got busy. And, you know, not like then not long after, probably about six, six I don't even know my timeline right now, but probably about six months, seven months, Later, I did leave. I, I left for Seattle uh, because it was, you know, years of doing long-distance relationships. Some things we had to give. And it's eventually, not long after that, we went from the 470-square-foot room to, like, a 2,200-square-foot space, and that went to 4,000. I mean, you know, long story short, like, the Vigor Ground yeah. Gym in Slovenia has been around for almost, you know, over 13 years now. Uh, we, we started, you know, essentially functional training gyms. Uh, it, it was the first of its kind. It's you know we have 450 members there, something like that. You know we train Olympians, NBA players, Euroleague, like you name it. And and so the people like my brother, two of my best friends, Giga Marco, another a guy Greg, like they run that gym. We have a team of you know over 10 coaches. Um, and but from from there, like I left that, like which was essentially kind of my, you know I, I pushed to make that that dream, and then I, I came here. I had to start from scratch, you know. So I started training LA fitness and you know the big box gym and 80 hundred hour weeks and uh from there went to vision quest and and you know after that now it's been it's going on 11 years uh it's not 11 years yet but it's going on 11 years nice. since i opened my garage gym in renton uh which was thousand foot square foot garage gym you know no windows no nothing minimal 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 like with three more minimals of equipment um and you know we went from that being there for almost three years to almost six years at a 4,700 square foot gym. And, and, you know, it's been almost three years now uh, since I bought the building that we're in, which is 12,000 square feet. And uh, it, it is what Vigor Ground is today. And like I said, you know, that every time, like every time I, I, I tell this story, which, which I love to tell it, it's, it, but I could, you know, probably go on just with the story for like four to five hours. Yeah. There's a lot of, missing pieces that i the probably nuances. mentioned um but but i i hope that it just gives you know um people that idea of of, of kind of like a little bit of my journey and and maybe some lessons there and and most importantly like you know when we say when i say started from scratch I'm nothing never any investment money um never any i mean we're, you know, in Slovenia, we started like it didn't even like what we built didn't exist to, to a degree that when I paid a consultant money and said, hey, here's my idea, you know, and this was like the number one fitness consultant in, in, in the country. Like 
he's you know uh consulting the bigger brands the bigger gyms like uh, the, that, at that point in time I, there, there wasn't even like any personal training celebrities like yeah. even, there was no one-on-one coaches that full-time one-on-one coach at that point in time you have to have another job you know you either were a strength and conditioning coach on payroll for a team or something like that um you know there's nobody to look up to and go like wow that guy's really made how it. Did, sorry to interrupt but how did you get exposed to the the like proper functional uh inf- leaders then like pavel and uh whatnot because otherwise it's so easy to, to come across at least back then i i think i mean I'm, I'm a lot younger than you are but how do you how did you know what you were learning was like you know the bet the better kind of training or functional movement i mean you you kind of you know i think that with besides uh, feeling well apart from like here you know there definitely i had some influence from uh, i say great coaches personally mm. uh you know and i was talking about obviously uh uh sergeant georgievich you know who you you put it this way you knew that he was really good because obviously he was training the top you know yeah. and he was kind of a, a legend at that point in time too there in our area but um, you know, and so you get one resource, you know, and I was uh, reading Verkhoshansky uh, and Zitsyorsky and the, the old Russian manuals, conditioning and, you know, the two Vampas and the Mel Sifts and all the, all those things, uh, and Charlie Francis and Speed Trap, right? Like, but on, back then you did, the, you know, online started obviously like really growing and blowing up. So through online, you know, you one person that you respect says a name, you know, uh, with, and like I said, at that point in time, like a lot of strength training was either uh, Elite FTS was a huge, you know, informational site. I mean, there was a lot of other stuff yeah. too. Like I would just sift through the, I you know I'd Google them and like I find their site and I'd look about on everything on their site and you know after I I'd, I'd find everything on their site and be like, hey, do they have an ebook? Do they have do they have an ebook? Do they have a product? Do they have a course, you know, that back then it wasn't a lot of courses, more was more ebooks and, and physical books. And if they did, I'd order it. I'd order everything. And you know, I've known, for instance, uh, I, I was still playing pro ball, and uh, I found out about a seminar in in, in Newcastle, actually Birmingham, England, and it was uh, Nick Grantham and Eric Cressy. And I found Eric Cressy through T Nation, him and Mike Robertson, and they were writing, you know, this, this specific article I remember called Neanderthal No More. And so I dug into that, and I bought, you know, all this stuff, and I flew to England and went to Birmingham and you know, I've, I've known Eric now for, I mean, 13, 14 years or something like that. Um, and bought every product there, you know, and, and that's kind of how it starts rolling. It's like this domino effect, right? Because yeah. you, you start seeing who people recommend and who's who and, um, your awareness expands and everything. Absolutely. And, and so that's, that's what, you know, that's what it was for me. Like I would absolutely annihilate, uh, information. I mean, we're talking that's about, awesome. You know, I'm an obsessive personality. So, uh, you know, somebody's like, I'm going to study 30 minutes a day. Well, I'll just go five hours. You know, like I'm going to just not like I'll just read, you know, tens of articles per day, take notes, print stuff out. You know, I still have actually in the back here my office. Did you kind of froze? Nation Elite FDS articles that I'd organize. Say that again? I said we kind of froze for a bit, but I wanted to ask... Did you find that out, uh, like that thirst for knowledge about like the health space to keep it uh, general back when you were saying like uh, you were younger, your mom opened that small kind of gym and you were getting exposed to all that and then you started like learning it on your own 
or was it like because because for me I have that thirst now for this for this health space to keep it the same term but you know I studied business in college and I did very well but I I wasn't just you know reading everything business I was learning on the side things about you know what we're talking about health fitness nutrition psychology on my own and that's when you know it finally took a step back and we're like wow I should go down this because I'm just thirst I'm just I'm not even thinking it's just it's retaining and coming to me well it's, I think it starts with a desire and an ambition right like I I think for me it you know at the beginning it's like you seek significance acceptance right like there's a this drive right so for me it was like okay well I want to look man I want to be bigger stronger I want to be able to like be be respected by my peers and so on and so yeah. forth I don't, wanna, I don't ever want to be left out right but this this air drive of like chip on my shoulder significance then I want to apply them and then I can become better. Right? So you, you're learning, you're applying, you're becoming better. And as you're getting better, you're like, fuck, this shit works. Okay, I want to do more of it. More, yeah. Right? So now you connect knowledge to, to be able to become better. And, you know, but that's all driven by trying to seek significance, which is another thing that we might talk about a little bit later on, right? Because that can also hurt you down the line. But the, the point of that is, is that like, you know, anything that I felt like could help me improve, I'm going for Yeah. Right. Like, so then nutrition, oh, well, shit, that's hugely important. Mm. Right. Hey, might like all the top athletes, you know what they're visualizing mindset training, like meditation. I'm going I'm, I'm to start doing that. I mean, back then, I, like I, I didn't get into meditation until probably about six years ago. Um, when I went into warrior where I would, what actually threw myself into it, studied it more. Uh, but I did, but I did, you know, I, I would say like, I did do, uh, breathing drills, visualization drills, uh, you know, as early as when I was like, I said, 14 years old, yeah. because there was uh, coaches that were, you know, training with super high level athletes and saying like, Hey, they visualize, like they see this stuff before it happens. Like, you know, spend 45 minutes before my games coming in and actually sitting down and listening to specific music and like seeing myself make shots in all these different scenarios. And I, st I still do that, like in, in, yeah. in just in a different frame. And obviously, I, I went down the rabbit hole and studied a lot of that uh, top mindset performance coaches, you know, behavior change, change psychology, you know, habits and habit loops and all that, like everything. So, so right. And so, uh, but I think that, you know, first of all, like you don't, you don't go and get information for information's sake. You get it because you want to solve a problem. And usually it's, you're trying to solve some deeper stuff you know, emotionally, like, Hey, you want to be the best basketball player? Why? You know, Hey, you want to be the best coach? Why? You know I mean? There, there's a deeper reason, just yeah. like our clients, you know, they come in with a deep reason and why they want to lose 40 pounds, get out, you know, back, get out of back pain, build muscle, be better. We have the same reasons, you know, I mean, I would say deeper reasons why, you know, whether it's like, I want to make the business successful so I can have freedom and, you know, that you know i didn't have or you know I want, I want to be respected in the field because you know when i was when i was younger like no one respected me like we have everyone has these different deeper reasons that drive them right and you know i think it's a it could be a whole separate podcast on how that can also you know take you into a spiral of uh of a bad place which i have been quite a few times in my life right because seeking significance can be a never-ending journey where you're, um, where you're just in your head too much? 
too well, no, too high self awareness. Put it put it this way: like, look, if you if you don't feel like you're enough, which a lot of look, I say a lot of people have this, you know, and it, it took me, you know, it took me to go through a lot of, you know, like I said, being an organized crime and and messing a lot of stuff up and getting divorced and cheating and like you know, like things that are very uh, kind of hard life things to teach me that like you know a lot of those behaviors uh stemmed from this place of not enough and seeking significance and right yeah, and once same. again like they can help you at a certain point in time but like if you don't address them and and realize that where those uh behaviors are coming from and it's a subconscious you know belief about like us uh let, let's just say that for majority of, of of the the problems come from like the i'm not enough uh, I would say subconscious belief, they, they lead you down the wrong way. You know, it, it, yeah. I was reading, uh, man, I can't remember, remember where I was reading this from, but you know, self-esteem and, and belief systems about self. Like if you don't believe like you're worthy to a certain degree, right. And you get opportunities that are bigger than what you believe, uh, you're worth, you will, you will, you'll fuck them up. Like this happens all the subconsciously time. too. Oh no! It's all subconscious. I had I had to learn that. I had to learn that myself. I mean, dude, like you have our, only five of our five percent of our brain is conscious. The, the ninety-five is subconscious, right? So, I, I try to give an example of to a person and say, "Hey, look! If you have ninety-five horses pulling one way and five horses pulling the other way, which what's going to win?" Ninety-five. Like, well, the ninety-five, you're dead. But like, you know, but you you have, you have this stronger tide below the surface. That a lot of times is pulling you in a direction that you know, like, no, I, I want to lose weight. No, I, I really want to be successful and make a lot of money. But your, but your belief system is worthy of that. Whether that, you're not worthy of the love or the respect or the, you know, any of that. I love that example, and that's where I think, like, meditation bar none has been probably the best uh, support with that, because if we continue with that example. Because our our body is kind of like a, a horse and an animal, like it's we're doing our automatic kind of unconscious habits that from these maybe traumas or whatever that made us feel a certain kind of worth. So we get up and if we're not we don't have a movement hygiene practice in, you know, we're we get up in that same kind of routine. That's where I think meditation has really helped because if you force yourself like first thing in the morning to like dive into the subconscious habits that you do throughout a day and that's how i became aware of wow i didn't necessarily think i was so worthy of whatnot and that led to me you know subconsciously put taking trying to tackle too much and then getting injuries that then when i would take that step out you know and 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 also be aware that wow i got 95 of these horses you know, pulling this this way, when I can sit down in meditation, like in the first thing in the morning, I can become aware of those horses. And maybe this, I don't know if this goes along well with your example, but you know, let some go. So then the five become a lot stronger. Because you're right, like 95% of our, our habits or choices are the same. And we have like the same thoughts as well, a day. That's where yeah, I, I, think, I think there's put it this way like there's different practices that work on different i would say parts of the brain i mean med meditation obviously is phenomenal for presence and like being able to you know 
be able to be present in the moment. What I mean by that too is that like you don't allow, you know, you understand that thoughts are not true, right? Like the thoughts come and go. They come yeah. from, uh, you know, I mean, every person thinks throughout the day so much crazy shit. And it's like you give power to thoughts, right? Now meditate, like when we're so stuck in, in, in our head, you know, most, most people understand when I say that, right? Like you're going throughout the day and you're constantly like, oh, what about the meeting later on? Does this person... When they said that, were they were they upset at me? That like it's just constantly running. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Meditation allows you to like create space and actually use your conscious brain, right, to make more, I would say, logical decisions, right. And so you're not making decisions based on emotion because being able to control control your emotions is an incredible skill set, right. Somebody pisses you off, do you explode and say something you can't take back, or do you create some space and think about it and go like, hmm. This person, person's upset or hurt. Maybe that's why they're speaking that way. Let me try to, you know, put the pin back in the grenade and calm this conversation down and so on and so forth. Yeah. Not just, you know, once again, like this, some some of these topics are topics that I could go down a rabbit hole. Yeah, 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 yeah. Neil, you know, you want to take the root, blue or the red pill, go to Matrix, but um, well, do you? Because I, 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 I like to give specific stuff that like people can actually do so one of the things is like yeah okay. you know how do you train your subconscious it's two things one is emotion two is repetition you know and you know the reason why you remember most people remember where they were on 9 11 is because it was a really mm -hmm. emotional moment right and so you know what's key like this is where kind of like affirmations definitely are helpful uh you can do affirmations within meditation which is something that i've done a lot um but once again, it's like when you can create a positive emotion, think like an example of the gym. I'll give you an example of a gym, right? Client comes in and, you know, they're looking pretty down. But as soon as I see them, I put a smile on my face. I'm like, hey, Susie, how you doing? Like I high five them. I give them a hug. Yeah. All of a sudden, they're smiling, right? Now, that's an emotion, right? Now, we did a specific thing. Now, when they come in four or five days a week and I do that same thing, we're actually going to ingrain that that one once they walk into the ground, they're going to have a positive emotion. Yeah. Where somebody cares about them and is uplifting them, and at the end of that training session, that they're feeling better. You do that it. enough, now you've programmed at least that specific part of their day. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Where, where it's the same thing. Like you could do that in a lot of different ways. Uh, now, when you when you have people doing specific drills like positive focus, right? Positive focus is a drill where if something negative happened yesterday, I run it through a drill. What, why lesson apply? Like, hey, what happened? I say exactly what, write it out. What happened? What was the, the, the thing that happened? No emotion attached to it. Why is it positive? All right, so hold up. There's a negative thing. I'm asking myself, why is it positive? So now I have to look for the positive in it, right? Oh, I, I you know, three members canceled. Why is it positive? My first thought is like, it's not fucking positive, right? But why is it positive? And it all canceled for the same reason. I found out that we're not doing this good enough. We're not doing Now you got an area to improve. Correct. Right? So why is it positive? Hey, it's showing me that we need to improve X, Y, Z. Yeah. What's the lesson learned? Uh, we need to improve the customer experience. You know, and then apply is like, how can I apply those lessons into other areas of my life? Now, I'm just giving some of these examples yeah. because I'm like, we're practicing the skill set of reframing. And, and also start to understand that maybe a negative thing is, a is, is an opportunity for a lesson to be learned.
And if you do that long enough, now, like, I'm in a place where when shitty stuff happens, like, look, I get frustrated, I get upset, I get, you know, it's just that... It doesn't it, last long. Of, yeah, instead of it being a month or weeks or day, like, it's like, hey, my half a day, hours. They, what we're in stuff. Now, you know, there's deeper things now. Like, you know, when we talk about the subconscious, some, some trauma is really deeply ingrained. I mean, that's why I'm a big believer in, you know, psychedelics and you know, the use of M- MDMA and psil- psilocybin and, like, and, and not like recreation, you know, in a therapeutic-based therapeutic way where you can actually deal with some of the traumas. Um, and there's a lot, like I said, this is, you know, we, we could go into a three-hour podcast just on that stuff. But, it, you know, there is, there is a lot of importance of addressing those things because you cannot like your belief system creates an attitude and your attitude drives your behaviors so when we talk about those 95 horses you know like man like if you're always out loud saying like hey i want to be you know i want to be successful and i want to you know have be an entrepreneur and build my own business and i want to get in the best shape of my life there's a subconscious belief never that doing it yeah right? it's because, absolutely it's like it's not like they read the book on it they you know they uh they had they, they read articles they know the steps at least some of the steps yeah right? but they haven't been able to actually do it you know and this is where coaches come into play that understand this stuff and are able to you know guide and ask the right questions and, you know understand the laws of behavior change and you know that doing too much can actually hinder So do you talk your clients through all this kind of stuff? Like if somebody, because somebody probably just comes to a gym first, you know, they just want to start training. They don't want to get into all of this. You know, that's too deep for me. I'm sure you. See, that's the magic question. The thing is that like you, you, you start where they're at, you know, and most of the time, like that's like some people are actually aware of that. We'll bring it up. Right. And then you can have that conversation. But if not. My first goal is to get them, like, to get them results, and the results may be for them to actually do some of the stuff that they yeah. committed to, because that's going to build their confidence. That's going to help help them get some wins, and that's going to also build their trust, right? Because when you help somebody get some results, they trust you more. Do you sit? And, go. Sorry. No. So it's like the thing is that the you know being a great coach is like one of the things is like being able to hide stuff within. Yeah, know, subtle like, messages. You know, and what I mean by that is just like, if an example of, you know, one of the things that is, is a huge hindrance in, uh, you know, weight loss, fat loss uh, results is people's lifestyle on the side of sleep and stress, right? And it, it's a very difficult, you know, so that's what I mean that like sometimes you gotta, sometimes you gotta massage these things in because if, if somebody's like, hey, you know, I've been training four or five days a week and uh, I'm, you know, I heard you guys are the best, so I'm here and I want to I pick it up and I want to go even harder, right? And like what you realize is that they've been doing four to five days a week of very high intensity volume, you know, uh, training, but they're only getting five quality hours of sleep a night. Yeah. Their life is super stressful. They're always in their head. They're always stressed out. Like having that person do more high intensity training is going to bury them even more than they are right now. So how do you have, you know, so you have to educate you have to ask a lot of questions, right? You have to basically get them to what I call trip over their own truth, right? And tripping over their own truth means like that with questions, they figure out that like, hmm, you know what? 
the way I'm doing things isn't working. And you mentioned some of these things, like I'm open to trying it your way, right? And, and not going like, hey, okay, we're gonna go even harder. Going hard has not helped you, right? Like, like let's, let's go harder in some days and like let's really lower the intensity yeah. and make it strategic the other days so you can recover better and push harder because your body's only gonna progress as much as it can recover. So, right, and, and the thing is, a lot of that is communication, storytelling, the art of questioning, the art of active listening, and, you know, uh, a lot to, you know, dissect and obviously yeah. one, 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 one podcast, but certainly enough to open the door to have people go like hmm. to start yeah being curious about it absolutely because like look I, I tell you straight I, my personal story because I mean it's the easiest to I guess relate to you know I, I mean I've always been very you know from what we talked about like a young age very driven right so I'm very driven so that but also my biggest downfall right it's significant to be very driven um, you know so when I started you know really running my own business and, and my own gyms and things like that Three hours, two and a half, three hours a day. I mean, people that have known me for a while will tell you that there are some pretty crazy stories. Of yeah, I heard your podcast episode about that actually. Things, things people Back two years ago. But it was the hustle like, mindset. I, yeah, I mean, in my mind, I was like, I'm still, you know, I'm, I'm the athlete, right? Like, so I'm working 16 hour days, but still training two, three, and, you know, hard, like hard as can be, and then only sleeping like four, you know, like, you know, working, sleeping four. And of course, that catches up with you. And, you know, and I was able to do that for a, a pretty long time. Uh, not to say that that's a, a smart yeah. thing to do, but I, I hit the wall. You know, I did a, blood, a bunch of blood work and tests, and I mean, I was my hormones were shot. Like I was just, I was destroyed. You know, I, I mean, to where the doctor was like, I have no idea how you're even functioning at the level that you are. It's, it's pretty miraculous that you're not more fucked up. Um, and you know, at that point, I decided. I said, Well, I, I'm going to fix my sleep, and it took me a year to go from like you know four hours a night and remember this is four by choice not because i couldn't sleep it was just, yeah was, that's probably why it didn't affect you as much i mean i i think that like when you when you you know there's been a discussion about when you when you have a purpose and, and you're doing meaningful work it's a lot it's easier to work harder and longer yeah kind of not get burnt out per se you know um that if you hate what you do now at the same point in time like you can't cheat physiology and you know and, and it just like I said, I, I I was I was starting to get you know sick frequently, uh, tired. And, you know I I treat the being tired with more caffeine, more caffeine, and yeah. whatever I needed to do. I'm, I'm not not saying like like I said these are this is just where I was at. And you know when, once I realized that if I continue to go that down this road, I'll just have you know more injuries, be more crushed. It's hard, you know, short term memory loss, like just a lot of stuff you know that was going on. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna spend a year fixing my sleep now. You, you, you know, you tell the average, you know, person that's that's trying to get a, a, a body transformation, and like, hey, let's keep everything the same. Like, let's work for the next, you know, five six months on fixing your sleep. They'll be like, well, fucking, like, this, this, what's this gonna do to help me? Uh, I mean, I'm telling you right now, like, I mean, I, I can't over, uh, <laughs> overstate that. Like, it cha- like it changed my life. You know, I, I went to within that year, I was sleeping over about seven. You know, I said on average, seven quality, maybe sometimes more my uh my hormone levels so my testosterone you know more than doubled uh naturally i mean naturally i wasn't taking anything for it um my i was less stressed out uh i would say just cognitively i could think better 
emotionally throughout the day, it was, it was, uh, I wouldn't get frustrated with things that I was frustrated with. My relationships improved. I got my yeah. body fat dropped significantly. I put on muscle by training less. So I was training less, but putting on more muscle, getting leaner. Um, and of course, like what I mean, what did I do? I created a, a space for where my body could actually recover from what I was putting it through, both physically, mentally, and emotionally. And so, uh, and if anybody wants to like, you know, be blown away completely by why sleep is like so incredibly important, like read the book Why We Sleep. Um, and I mean, we're talking about like it, it, it will blow your mind so much that that you will take sleep very very seriously. And this is like from a researcher that like. Uh, you know, 26 years of research on sleep. It, it is the most, I would say, the best book written on sleep. For something, sure. something in there about I haven't read it yet. Well, who's the author? Uh, Matthew. Some blank in last name. I, I remember it. hearing something about him. I think it was on Joe Rogan's podcast. And how when we're awake, when we're awake, it's actually damaging to our uh, brain. Or what? I don't know if that's fully true, but our waking state oh. is actually damaging in a sense that's why how our sleep is so important oh i mean the thing is the things that happen while you sleep uh you know far beyond uh let's see matthew walker yeah uh why we sleep unlocking the power of sleep and dreams it you know i mean most people kind of understand the uh the side of like the physical side to a degree um but there's like the way that our brain like the reason why we sleep and what it does for our mental emotional health I think most people don't know that and like, you know, why there's, why the sleep cycles of uh, NREM, which is not rapid eye movement sleep and, and REM sleep, which is rapid eye movement sleep and why they run in 90 uh, minute cycles. And if those cycles are off, what happens and like how you can't cheat sleep, like, oh, well, I'm going to sleep, you know, later, I'll just make like, no, that doesn't work. You know, it's, and, and I mean, like I said, it, it's too much for me to like dive yeah. into, the, I would say the details of it. But it, We've set I, I, so many bases for future talks. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's, it's like, hey, I'm, I'm giving you some, like, kind of, kind of rabbit holes to dig in. Uh, and hopefully, like I said, look, hopefully in every single thing that I give at least one tactic or strategy, mm -hmm. you can actually employ it. Um, you also, I'd like to add, like, you're, I love all your stuff on movement and mobility. And there's a bunch on, like, YouTube that you share that I really like. You know, if anybody wants to look into what yeah, kind I mean, of you, movement morning YouTube, stuff yeah. uh there i think there's like 1100 videos now from nutrition seminars that we've done yeah, yeah, yeah. to all the podcasts to tons of mobility stuff i mean longer shorter you name it like so if you want to you know dive in and, and dig in there's plenty of stuff there that you can use that's usable um i think that it's just i think it's important to understand that you know really when it comes at least when it comes to body transformation change you know you, you kind of have you could you could break this up into more but i think there's four things that um that that kind of you know play a role and one is movement slash training mm -hmm. i mean that would be one category then you got your nutrition uh then you recovery and then you have your mindset like i think those are the kind of those four big right. puzzle piece movers and then you have obviously you know there's subcategories there but i think uh you know, mo most people like when they want to get in shape, they might look at just training and nutrition uh, and recovery might be this massive piece because for, first of all, like, look, if you're constantly, you know, stressed out, you know, your cortisol's through the roof and the way that like the way that obviously, uh, you know, we need cortisol, we need estrogen, we need uh, all those hormones are, are important, but they're supposed to be pretty balanced, right? So 
cortisol goes down, uh, testosterone goes up, and we, you know we, we kind of work in these cycles. And then when you know court like when stress is constantly high, cortisol is high. It affects not only testosterone, but remember cortisol prevents us from sleeping. Cortisol prevents for recovery from happening. Mm-hmm. And if you don't sleep, your cortisol goes higher. You know, it's it's like this never-ending loop, right? And then you don't make progesterone as the same, and estrogen is higher, and like it just messes up so much different shit. So, of course, like why you know why would we discuss? I mean, we, we could discuss training to make it less volume, right? Because that will, will help you out if, if you're crazy stressed out. Like, why are you doing, you know, hour and a half, two hour sessions with crazy amounts of volume? And why are you doing three to four days a week of super high intensity conditioning, anaerobic conditioning, right? Yeah, it usually stems to some kind of, uh, you know, emotional trigger or something, I would think. Well, I mean, it's, I, I think that like, you know, training is therapeutic. It is, right? I mean, it's stressful in the body, but it's also stress releasing. But it's all, but nonetheless, it's a stress, right? So here's the thing, your work, if you're stressed out all day, that's stress. You come home, kids, husband, stress. You have food, like hey, if you're eating a lot of food that's inflammatory and it's, it's not full of nutrients, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're over calories, stress, lack of sleep, stress. And you gotta look at it as like a, te- a bathtub analogy, right? There's a bathtub, you got all these different taps that are open. You know, one is training, one is uh, relationships, one is work, kids, food. Uh, you know, you have all these different things that Fun. are stressors, and each one of them has the water open to a certain degree. Now there there is a outlet for that water, and that outlet are your recovery strategies, where which might be, you know, mindfulness, meditation, walking around, uh, you know, sauna cold plunge social time with friends that make you smile and laugh and relax healthy foods exercise but the majority of people is right now way more water filling up than they have coming out and when that water reaches that when the water in the bathtub reaches the limit you're gonna have something happen and it's, and it's like like I said, when the water reaches the limit of the bathtub, something happens. The, the, what, what happens can be injury, burnout, you know, uh, emotionally like exploding yeah. in, in relationship in trauma or something happening. Absolutely. There's a lot of different things that can happen. Yeah. And so you have to be able to regulate not only the stress coming in, but the stress going out. And it's also how you get the best physical and performance results. And I can't tell you how many times we've had, you know, high level A plus, you know, busy people, entrepreneurs that are training, you know, and, and they're gung ho and they come in and they want to do more. And I, you know, I, I actually have to get them to buy in for usually a while before they're like, you know what, I'm going to try it your way. Cause my way hasn't been working because they want to do more mm. and I actually help them do more recovery stuff and then be more strategic. They'll still train hard, but way more strategic. Sometimes we'll drop the volume, you know, and they get the best results they've gotten in their lives doing less, right? Because it's the right amount for them. And so, you know, once again, we are not like, we don't live in isolation. We don't live, everything is, is, you know, we don't live in a vacuum. Training's not in a vacuum. Nutrition's not in a vacuum. These things are, are connected. Training, nutrition, recovery, mindset, those things are interchange. I mean, interchanging, but they're, they're one whole, 
right? And you know, your mindset will drive, obviously, your behaviors, right? Like your recovery is going to affect your training. Yeah. Hey, sleep for three hours hey. for three nights and then go do do the, the, the hardest leg workout you've ever done. Let me, let me know how you did, right? Probably not going to be great. You know, bigger chance of injury. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, you know, don't, don't hydrate yourself and then eat crap for like four days. How do you feel? Like, you, you see what I'm saying? Like, everything is interconnected. And to be a coach in the industry and to ignore these different, I would say, parts of our lives uh, that, that affect everything else is crazy. You know, now, I will say this, that obviously, you know, to, uh, you know, for a client come in and you're having this conversation why not doing well and you go like well tell me about your childhood trauma like that's not yeah no. <laughs> that's not necessarily where you should go about it you know and, and but that's where like i said that's why I, coaching is like is science and art it's like jazz right like you gotta it, it, there's an art to it like you have to have these you know hard skills and soft skills but as you go through like you you start understanding uh that there's there is a lot of art to this stuff man and yeah. it's and like I, this is what I get excited about. Like yeah. this is why you know, if you look around me, I mean, it's everywhere you go. It's like this is all you know. It's books and, and courses. Like I'm just constantly studying it because I want to be the it's best. It's fucking I can great be. stuff. Because it's like every tool that I get, I I feel like it gives me a better chance to help the person change. And the thing is, and and this goes for you know, like the, there's really two things that I do, right? I I I own a gym and I help people transform like truly transform from the inside out like that's what we do as a team here at Vigor Ground and on the other side I help business owners like gym owners do the same but just for their business and it you know and, and here's the interesting part about it is that like when when you coach somebody on business guess what it starts with them you know um I was just spending some time with uh, Jason Redmond the Navy SEAL that wrote the book the Trident National Hero um you know and it's like the three laws of leadership is like leadership starts with you like you can't lead anybody when you can't lead yourself, you know, and, and that's actually a lot of times like a big problem. I, I would say, you know, when I start talking and you got to coach yourself. Coaching, yeah. Yeah. Like, you, 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 you know, somebody has is running a gym and have a team and, you know, they want to talk to me about tactical and strategic stuff and real like really quick and fast. We figure out that they have to get their own shit together to be able to get the people to follow them. How do you help somebody do that? Like. If, if somebody to get that behavioral change or for somebody on their own, because sooner or later, you don't want them to have to rely on Luca House, House oh, excuse me, House of R to, hey, man, like how you feeling today? You, they got to be able to do it, you know, fish themselves. Do you suggest like, hey, journal, how do you feel if you like today? How much sleep did you get? You know, how much sleep did you get the next day? How did that? How did you feel? What went on? throughout that day start, i mean one it starts with awareness like first there has to be the, like my my goal is to use questions to bring up once again what are we going to do like trip over the own truth right like yeah by the way I, li I like what you said there because a question should lead to an answer which leads to a better question well, i like it, that yeah. it's like more you know for, for anybody in fitness and non-fitness i mean this is a, a i think this is actually required reading in in uh in social services is a book called motivational interviewing and there's this there's a there is an actual book that is a uh, is specific to uh, nutrition and fitness and it's called motivational uh, interviewing and nutrition and fitness and is i i think it's recommended reading from okay, absolutely okay. every single coach because it deals with in, in social services it deals with motivational interviewing was created 
to deal with addiction. Um, and you know, one of the one of the things that you understand uh, when you deal with addiction is that like if you're telling an addict that they're an addict, they're going to stand their ground and tell you they're not an addict, right? Um, and and we all have this, by the way, right? right? Like if you're telling me five, you know, four or five years ago that I'm a workaholic, I'd be like, no, I'm not, right? Like, yeah, right. But but if you ask me the right non-judgmental questions and you really learn this skill, I would actually, you know, as as I was answering the questions, I would I would go like, fuck, I do have a problem. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, but if you told me that, I'd get defensive because yeah. this how we're wired. So, right? And it's, it's the same thing in motivation when you're in for nutrition and fitness where you a- ask people questions. And I would say, look, you could write a book called Motivation Interviewing in Business. You know, it's... Yeah. There's the framework is the same. And- That's why I, I like about that, um, how important it is to to use the right words and how semantics really is very necessary because, you know, other people will essentially be like, you know, you're just saying the same thing that I'm a workaholic, but in a nicer way. But it it has a huge effect on on yourself and what and how you're responding to the answers. Absolutely. It's. creates threat for us like we're going to respond to it in a certain way now look what is threat like threat can be physical you know most people if i say threat you're like oh somebody's attacking me well i mean duh i mean that, that's but look threat from a, a, a like what happens when you eat a food when that the body finds threatening You're, you get a stomachache you start vomiting you start right the body's trying to get it out there's a response there's a reaction to it when somebody verbally attacks you right what is that that's a threat the yeah. brain doesn't like that you're going to respond like you're going to go into the limbic system you're not gonna you're gonna you're not gonna be in your conscious brain in your prefrontal cortex and going like hmm well you know da, da, da. like no like you just respond like well you're a shithead too you know like no i'm not a fucking addict well what about you you smoke you know like it, it, it becomes yeah, more. Yeah. and then to create like you know and, and so that's why i always encourage coaches like hey have you done coactive you know coactive coaching motivational interviewing have you uh man i just had it on the tip of my tongue uh and i and i forgot about it it'll it'll come to me but um like oh crucial conversations you know like have you done these uh i would say read these books and done these courses and got coaching on these uh things that like allow you to become a master communicator that helps you better relate the message and get gets the person to become aware of it so you know what's the step step number one is like well i have to have a person believe that they they have a problem right like like the the business owner has to go like shit like I, I have the tactics and strategies, but they're not being executed because the people don't want to follow me and because I don't know how to communicate them. And I don't, you know, I'm not navigating, like I'm not navigating my coaches into a certain vision. You know, I haven't, you know what? I don't even have a vision. I don't even have values. Actually, I do have values that I've written down, but I'm not living those values. So yeah. why would everybody else live them, right? So, and, and it sounds such, the, you know, such foo-foo stuff, but like teach. a lot of times it comes down to that, like we, you know, through questioning and stuff like that, people go like, fuck, man, you're right. Okay, cool. Well, let's work on this. And then from there, yeah. you know, once there's acceptance and there, there's a motivation. That's, that itself is liberating to be. Absolutely. To be. Like, you, that's, there has to be acceptance. Like, you know, shitty thing happens. If I'm in denial, nothing can change, right? The day that I'm like, you know what? Hey, we've, we haven't had the, the, the customer service that we, be, that, that we should have and that we believe is the best. And like I, we haven't been living this. I haven't been living it. So we have to do something about it. Nobody fault. Like it's our fault. Oh, we we did this. How are we going to turn it around? Now, if if I if somebody's like, hey, customer service is not great. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? We do have great customer service, right? And at the same time, 
customer service is failing, yeah. right? You got to respect whoever that other person is. Like, you got to respect that they have their own, you know, that what they're feeling is, you know, theirs, I guess, their thoughts. I mean, it's, it's, it's put it this way. The, the, um, there is, you know, the whole self-evaluation part there, right? Like, I mean, the hardest thing in, uh, I, I would say in anything, is like to be aware of yourself, right? I mean, think about uh, what is self-awareness and like, you have self-management, you have client management, right? self like you have to be aware of your own behaviors and how you affect others. I mean, that's part of social and emotional intelligence, right? Is like, I see somebody, like I'm doing something, I see somebody else's body language and go, whoa, okay. Something I said triggered them. I let me back off or let me ask them or let me apologize. Like this, this is, and, and the thing is, some of that is uh, nurture, uh, or should I say nature? But a lot of it is nurture, meaning you can learn it. Like this, you know, now science has shown yeah. we can build emotional intelligence, we can build social intelligence. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like that's one of the, I mean, you know, if you, if you read leadership books and even the Harvard Business Review that says like the, the, the best CEOs and the best leaders don't have the highest IQs, they have the highest yeah, emotional so intelligence, you know. And, and even now, there's actually a word that's called another thing that I, I feel like is incredibly important when it comes to just life and business is adaptability. It's like, uh, you know, adaptability intelligence. I, I, there's actually a marker for it now, you know, so like how- Where can, I, where can I learn more about that? That sounds cool. Man, just Google, I, I don't, you know, I, I read too, like I said too much. I read so much that sometimes I don't know where where I'm reading about it. Um, I try to reference as much as I can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but sometimes I'm like, shit, I don't know where I read about this. Um, <laughs> But this is this is uh, certainly like if you look it up, you could probably you know you can yeah, yeah. Google, Google about adaptability and put Harvard Business Review in there. And I love it. Start getting some some uh, data back on it, but it's it's pretty much like that itself is an emotional change because then you have to overcome that fear of change. Absolutely, it's basically like look, I mean, and and this this came out about because we live in in the most, I would say, uh, rapid changing. In, rapid changing times you know and we're talking about stuff that like you could never imagine right i mean from technology technology is vertical right like even i mean in the fitness industry it, right now it, it is it's a very kind of uh i don't want to you know i don't want to scare people but but it is the space is a little funky because um and i always say like hey focus on your own stuff but you know there, there's everything's growing so fast blowing up uh, you know, venture capital is investing massive amounts into, you know, different high intensity group training programs, digital is growing at crazy rates. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, my, my thing is that like, even with all of this, it, it hasn't helped obesity one bit, right? Like it's obesity is getting worse. So, so my mission, you know, on, on a, on a one, you know, literally on a face to face kind of, um, basis really is like help, you know, one person help our community like change that because if you try to, you know, like, Oh, I'm going to change the world. You get overwhelmed. But if I'm like, Hey, let's change every person that walks the bigger ground. Let's change our community. Let's, you know, let, let's, and, and as we go digital, let's help those people out. Like you kind of create a, a wave. Yeah. Well, that because, itself is helping the world. If you help one person in a sense, that is a world. Correct. Like that's how you, that's how you have to think. That's how you have to yeah. approach it. And, you know, but it, it, what it's proving is that, like, even though we have more technology and more information than ever, it's not helping people change uh, the way. I mean, in, in, as a whole, like, if we're if we're realistic as a whole, we're not. Like, in the last sixteen is, years, 
obesity went from 14 to 34 percent so is that right? what it's which uh is that what uh drove you to be so passionate about behavioral change because I, like yeah. like you said we have everything basically handed to us not literally but like so here, there's two like there's two things there's two sides of this right one side by the um, way i want to be as respectful of your time as possible so how, how much because we I went another, i think about 15 more minutes okay. man but like but i'm now i'm on a roll i can't finish not <laughs> not finishing my thought here <laughs> but uh it, it, like there's there's two things one one of the things that like intrigued me was that like you know when i was training clients and I like when I say, I mean, I studied, you know, the X's and O's of training to a level that like most people will never will do. So I really understood all that side of stuff. And so some people are getting great results. Some people are getting OK results. But there's a bunch of people that weren't getting good results at all. And for a while, it was like, ah, they're just not committed. They're like, you know, it's their fault. Like, they're just not that, you know, and. So like I had that belief system. I was like, well, you know, the people that are committed and they're gonna do what I tell them to do. Like those are the people that are gonna get results. And um, you know, and, and, and I had a bunch of skill sets on the side. Like I, I I've been pretty good about you know the gift of gab and uh, and emotional intelligence and so on. But like I didn't. Of you know neurology, behavior change, change psychology, um, you know, uh, pedagogy and social environments and all these different things. And so. For me, the trigger actually was my personal life, meaning, you know, uh, like I went through like doing stupid stuff uh, in my life when things were actually good, right? Like when things were getting good, meaning I went from broke to making money to, to, to knowing to, you know, to getting some significance and like, oh, like, you know, you're, you're someone, you know, whatever the fuck that means, by the way, right? It's, this is me speaking out loud as far as like what my thought process was back then. Yeah. And, you know, but then I did dumb stuff and like that led into a, a whole slew of personal problems and divorce, you know, so on and so forth. And like, as I was going through this process of, you know, guilt and shame and blame, you know, post, the years post, uh, I was saying my divorce, I, I, I was asking myself this question and I was like, why do people do stuff like that? Like where you understand the, the consciously understand what those behaviors will bring and yet you still do them. And that was the trigger for me, right? And, and and it made me look further back, too. It made me look further back. Like, why would I get into organized crime? Like, why would I get into these things that, like, there's no happy ending ever, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and, and friends that, like, man, I, you know, and, I mean, these are stories beyond of, of forgetting, you know, the, from jail to death to, like, you name it, right? Like, and it's consciously, you're like, well, this isn't going to lead anywhere good, but you still do it. And, and so that was a personal thing that, that made me go like, well, how am I judging this person that has a really tough time of like, if I'm like, Hey, listen, uh, eat this, you know, like eat like that. Uh, and they can't do it. Right. And like, how the hell am I judging that person when I myself, you know, if I was sitting down with a friend and my friend was like, Hey, listen, like I'm going to party in Vegas and taking a lot of drugs and I'm cheating. Right. And I'd be like, dude, what are you doing? Like, you have, you know, like, hey, you're in a great relationship. You don't like that, right? Like, I would take my own advice, right? But like, I wasn't taking my own advice. And so why was I doing that? Well, man, like, that person has an issue just like I did, and just in a different area of their life, you know, and it happens to be in, in health. Like, where, where I, you know, for me, it's like, hey, training every day, I, it's so ingrained, you know, eating right, it's ingrained, right? I don't have a problem with that, but I have problems elsewhere. And so- yeah. 
that is the thing that made me go I wanted to know everything about why I did the fucking dumb stuff that I did which is which has everything connected with things like subconscious beliefs like what happened to us as kids behavior change habit loops emotional stuff that like triggers behaviors right and so as I started studying it I started going like oh shit right because once again if I do something I you just got that the, the mind once that curiosity got yeah, it's, it's, oh, it's, I feel it's you man and, and, and it opened this whole world and I was like wow like understanding this can help us with like I like I will use the highest level training strategies with 0.05% of people that I ever trained maybe right maybe and yet you know it's like I know so much. And I'm not saying I'm still a training geek. I still study training. I still go to courses. We do more seminars at Bigger than any other gym pretty much in the country. And But the thing is, is that, like, if I can get a person to do basic stuff consistently, it'll change their life. But the the part of, like, getting them to do it consistently, that is more about quality questions, active listening, understanding behavior change, understanding how to get people to do stuff, understanding self-esteem, understanding halt, understanding like what drives and people's behavior. What I what I love, sorry to cut cut you off, but something I'm really passionate about and I can tell you are too, and what it sounds like you really get into is making sure the client not only understands self-esteem intellectually, like what does that definition mean in the definition? But experientially, so where they're, you know, just like you're doing with the talking about with tripping over questions, that they're like, holy shit, like I don't have a high self-esteem. Kind Correct. Of. Like you have to go. Yeah. You have like when they get it, and, and, and Dr. Joe Dispenza talks about this, right? Knowledge is in the brain, yeah. feeling is in the body, and those two things have to match up. And 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 like I said, when a person feels. Right. I mean, that's why I, I love storytelling, and I use yeah. storytelling in every class and session that I have, is because I, I, you know, we know now that the the, the firing patterns when somebody tells a story is like people actually feel it, right? Because they go into the emotional part versus yeah. just being intellectual. And so, if I can get the story to, to to make them feel something, remember what we talked about retraining subconscious, right? Emotion repetition. So if they hear me tell a story 200 times a year and that story triggers some type of thought and feeling and emotion and awareness, hey, guess what? I'm starting to rewire and and change them, right? Because they'll go like, fuck, man. Like, you know what? I, there's got to be something there. Like, yeah, that, that's me. Like, I, I know I, I know what I need to do, but I'm not doing it. And the thing that Luca just said, wow, man, it made me feel something. It makes sense. Like, I, I want to dig deeper into this. Maybe I want to talk to him about it. Maybe I want to read the book that he recommended, right? And this is how we move stuff forward, right? It's, it's not like, yeah. and, 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 and th- this is why, you know, like this whole, I would say, science and study of like how we operate. And like, like if you took, you know, this is the other part of it too. Like I've read and, and studied and have been mentored by and done courses. I mean, I endless. And yet still like, look, I, I understand that we don't know as much as we pretend to know. You know, I've spoke to some of the top, I mean, we're talking about the people that study the brain, right? The best of the best of it, like they spent 30, 30, 35 years studying the brain. And you ask them, hey, um, how much do we really know about the brain? I'll be like, "Eh, not that much. So this is the best guy on the planet that studied the brain for 35 years. Like, yeah, we don't really know that much. And then there's, you know, 
guy down the street's like, oh yeah, man, like, you know, this is how our brain works. It's like, okay, <laughs> okay, you know, like, you, you got to do it, of course, you, you, you know it all. Um, so we have to, like, keep a very, very open mind to stuff. And, like, to, for me, it's like, you know, as you learn things, as time goes by, you have to be willing to be wrong so that you can be better. Um, you know, it goes you, into acceptance as well. Absolutely. You know, and just, just be very, you know, you got to constantly empty that cup. And But, like, I take things, you know, the way that I try to coach and, and, and do everything is, like, learn the science. Like, really, really understand it and learn it and then gel it with real world, you know, and, and like, hey, this is working. Like, hey, this is the, the thing that we're doing here. It's working, you know. Uh, and sometimes, you know, you read something, you study something, and then you use it and it doesn't work and you discard it, you know, and it's, and it's that's okay, you know. And, that's the it's the best that you can do but i think that it's unethical and it's and it's irresponsible if you don't like um like study like not to say like look i think you should always experiment but i think it's irresponsible and unethical to you know to, that there's all this information from people that have studied things for decades uh they're the best in their field and for us to not learn from them yeah. and so we best help ourselves and help yeah. our clients also uh yeah, that, that's, I mean, but once again, like, this is something that's for me and hopefully for anybody, uh, you know, you want to you consistently be yeah. improving your knowledge and, and, and wisdom and experience. And, 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 and like you touched upon, and I think we have in general, you know, when this, that curiosity sparks, you know, it's like you don't have to tell somebody to continue reading new things or reading new books. It's like, it's like, we're, all right, I'm done with this. Where's the next one? It's like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's it, I, absolutely like you don't, you know, I mean, we already know, right? Like, uh, for instance, you know, just, just, and I'll kind of end on this note. One of the questions that I love that are one of our coaching questions, which is if I was, you know, working with you on nutrition and we went back and forth to where at the end, you know, we decided on like, hey, okay, look, um, for the next, you know, three weeks, let's work on you know, getting 30 to 40 grams of protein with every meal. And you were like, okay, cool, I'm, I'm, let's do that. My next question would be like, All right, well, how confident are you that you can do that 90% of the time on a scale of one to 10? And yes. if you answered me nine or 10, we'd actually go ahead and then do that. Like that would be the habit that we'd, we'd settle on, right? For the next three weeks. But if you were like, um, I'm about a seven, right? I'd be like, hmm, interesting. So what would make you a nine or a 10, right? And there's something that would probably like maybe there's something that would make you a nine out of ten that we can actually address. But if not, if you're a seven or a six, you mean that means you're not actually confident that you're gonna do it. Which means you won't do it. And like, look, this has been this, this part has been studied over and over and over. Uh, a lot also with kids, right? Like if a kid doesn't feel confident in math, he doesn't study study math. And because he doesn't study math, he then fails and goes like, Well, there you go. See, I'm not good at math. Right, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, and so you have to get the person, whether a kid or an adult, to believe that they can do it because their belief will drive their attitude and their behavior. Yeah. And so, you know, and, and that's like, so to me, I call it the magic question. Oh. Right? If you're like, hey, listen, I'm going to write a blog post a week now, moving forward, I'm like, great, awesome. Well, how confident do you feel on a scale of one to ten that you can do that 90% of the time? Well, I'm probably about a six, right? Now, I'm going to dig deeper. Like, why are you a six? Maybe you can outsource and write two blog posts a, a month and then outsource two. Somebody else can do them. And then maybe that makes you a nine. Okay, cool. Let's go with that. Maybe it's got nothing to do with that. And like, man, you're just not confident in writing. 
And then we'll make a smaller task and be like, hey, listen, how about this? How about you write for 15 minutes every day, five days a week, you don't post it anywhere, and then just once a month you write a blog post. And like those yeah. 50, that, that 15 minutes that you write, you just send me that so I know that you did it. Uh, man, I, you know what, I can do that. Like, I'm, I'm, an, I'm a 10 on that, man. I'm a 10. Okay, cool, cool, let's go with that, right? Like, you can use that anywhere in every sector and any, anything, right? Like, it's, it's, you can do it with yourself. Like, man, how confident am I really that I'm gonna do this? I really like that. To be honest, and even with the blog posts. Yes, I'm, maybe I'm talking to you, shit. <laughs> but, but, but it's true, like, this, you know, it, it, you won't get a person that's like a six or seven on a, on a confidence scale and end up knocking that stuff out. You will, I mean, it will be a complete outlier. Like, you will not, you will not find that. Because mm. once again, like, if you don't have confidence in it, it just means that you won't do it because the belief isn't there in itself. Mm. So that's like a very, very kind of, um, you know, baseline thing that, that a coach should understand. Because it's very easy to go, like a person person goes, hey, I want to, man, I want to go really aggressive and do this, 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 and that. And it's like, okay, great. Well, listen, for what you said that you wanted, it's gonna, we're going to have to train six days a week, four strength training days, two conditioning. Yeah. But I'm also going to need you to do some recovery stuff, this, 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 and that. We're going to be a lot more, we have to be a lot more, I would say, dialed in with our nutrition, right? And then like, hey, how confident do you feel in that? And all of a sudden, even though they told you what they wanted, they're like, man, I'm, I'm a five, right? Once you told them everything was going to have to happen, they're a five. But imagine if you never asked them that because you're the expert, right? They're like, okay, uh, okay. But in their mind, they're like, fuck, how the fuck do I do this, right? Yeah. And of course, they go and they don't do it. And then they don't do it. And then they feel bad. And then if you're the coach, you're like, well, why the fuck are you not doing this? You said you wanted this. It makes them feel now worse. we're doing that. And like, you're not getting it. You're not doing it. Now they feel bad. They feel like they're letting you down. They're already beating themselves up. Their self-esteem is already low. It's just driving it more. See, like now it's like you, you have a, a coach that wants to do good, but because they're not like really understanding how behavior and, and confidence work, they're actually making it worse for that person. That person feels like more of a failure, right? And then they're trying to prove more like, you know, they're like, no, you know what? You know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I promise you I'm going to do it. And of course, they don't have the capacity to do it. Yeah. So the coach is frustrated. The client's frustrated. The client stops. And so here we are. You know, and this is, this is a That's lot. where of the skill, skill come, is better than the willpower. Correct. You have to adapt. You know, some people have a lot of willpower and capacity. And it can be built. It's built through, you know, keeping the promises to yourself. But... You know, this is a whole other ball game. Like, you know, what I call the, the self-esteem bank, you know, like when you don't keep promises to yourself, like you end up taking essentially debits, you know, it's like put debits in, in the bank, you know, and that's how you get bankrupt, you know? So, but if you do the stuff that you said that you're going to do, you put credits in the bank. Yeah. And most people have so much debt, you know, that they're bankrupt in self-esteem, you know? And, and so even though the next thing that you're, they're like, you know what, I'm going to get up tomorrow morning, I'm going to go for a run. And they get up and they snooze it, you know, because they don't even believe themselves. Yeah. There's a way to overcome this. You know, we've been doing it for like many, 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 many years. And, you know, once again, this is part of coaching. And you notice like, you know what we didn't talk about there for the last, you know, shit, like 45 minutes. We didn't talk about reps, you know, and not that like once again, you want to talk about like reps and training, man, I will, you know, I will bore you to death for next week. But the, the, the bore me to death. Well, yeah, maybe not you, um, but, but, you know, my, my whole point is, is like, look, you know, we could talk about energy system training and a lot of different stuff and I love it and it's important. Um, but once again, like 
if we don't touch on what we just touched on right here, the key. guess what? The person, yeah, person's not, not, they're not doing it. It's, the X's and O's are irrelevant because they're not going to do yeah. it. They don't believe they can do it. So, you know, that's why this is so important. That's why, like, if, you know, if, if somebody's listening to this and, and you know, may, like, hopefully, you know, if you got a little anxious and stressed out because you're like, oh, shit, I don't know any of this. And I'm like, there's all this stuff to learn. You know, just remember that your anxiety is your excitement, right? Make anxiety curiosity. And, and just remember, like, we, we, we're all learning. Like, you're somewhere. Like, don't yeah. stress. Um, Gay Hendrix. I like, had a previous like, guest, Gay Hendrix, and uh, he had a quote in there from a teacher book, or something. Way. One of my favorite books, The Big Leap. The Big Leap? Yeah, yeah, I was honored to be able to speak with him. Uh, yeah, but he, he was, uh, fear is excitement without the breath. Correct. Correct. Absolutely. And it's, it's actually one of the books that we give um, – to a lot of clients to read, right because of glass ceilings and, and yeah uh, like when they read it a lot of times they're like man like this is you know wow this is me like i'm i'm holding back because of these certain belief systems or yeah because i don't want you know i'm growing but my family's not and i feel that i'm going to be disconnected man. i mean um yeah like phenomenal phenomenal book love the author and um but once again like comes back to you know we keep coming back to and i don't I listen to me go like, oh shit, like you're woo. Like, listen, first of all, not, that all of this is science, right? I mean, um, and study stuff. Number two, like you come to vigor, like you can train your ass off. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, there's a big difference. Like, you know, I'm, it, they're, they're gelling, once again, the gelling of the science and art and like understanding attitudes and knowing which which levers to pull, that's what makes you who you are. You know, it's, it, it, I go back to the story. You know, I go back to the story of, um, you know, a man that owns a factory. And, you know, they're, they're printing papers and it's like the factory shuts down and every minute, like, you know, they're not printing papers, they're losing money. It's a catastrophe. You know, they call the expert guy to come in. The expert guy comes in, you know, he goes, hmm, let me, let me check this out. He walks around for a while, you know, and, and he's like, I think I know what the problem is. He takes out a, you know, screwdriver and just screws one bolt, presses the button, everything starts working. Yeah. You know, the guy that owns the factory is like, oh my God, this is phenomenal. Thank you so much. Send me the bill. You know, sends a ten thousand dollar bill. You know, the the guy that owns the factory is like, "What, dude? You took like ten minutes. You know what I mean? To yeah. fucking fix this. What are you talking about? And you know, can you give me the breakdown, like <laughs> the breakdown of, of the itinerary of what you did?" And he was like, "You know, uh, screwing the bolt in dot one dollar, knowing which bolt screw nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars." You know, what I mean? like, and and that's that's really what it comes down to when it comes to coaching. A lot of times, it's not just no. It's like pulling the light. You know, it's, it's like screwing the right screw you know you might have been with somebody and they were doing all this that and the other but it was the wrong screws a lot mm-hmm. of effort a lot of effort wow this guy's working hard he's been working for weeks one guy comes in and goes bip, 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 fucking thing works right like and and i think that when you really understand coaching and when you know uh the thing that i i would say that i love about you know i've coached thousands like legit you know how people say like oh I've coached, like no legitimately coached thousands and thousands of people from the highest level elite pro athletes to who we coach now, mostly, you know, 70% of the people we coach, 75 amazing human beings that want to get better from all walks of life, you know, high level CEOs, entrepreneurs, teachers, moms, like you name it, right? I don't give a shit. Like if they're committed to getting better and once you you get such a wide, you know, I would say a group of people, you start learning a lot of stuff, you know what I mean? And you start figuring out which screw to, to as you keep learning the skill sets, yeah. like you figure out the screws, you know, 
Um, and, and for each person. For each person, and it's different. And, and it like, and that's the magic. And like, that's why like I never like, I you know I used to be stressed out about like, oh I have to learn everything. And now I'm like excited. I got that actually. That actually like really that really hits home because that's kind of like how I felt the past like couple of weeks. But then yeah, I can shoot. Well, I can flip you that. Gotta, you gotta accept that you never. You'll never know it. Yeah. You know. And then and then it becomes exciting. It's just like you know what? It's like it's like being a kid. I'm just curious, man. I read two books a week still. Like I have for seven years now. Mm. You know. I mean, this week I went through two fucking courses. You know. And nobody asked me to do it. It's 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 like hey, you have no. Like I'm just How like do you, ah, you know what. I'm just, I, I just How do you retain know. it all? Well, I don't. I mean, that's the thing yeah. is you don't. You know, you don't retain it. But I'll tell you how I retain a lot of a lot of it, and probably a lot more than the average oh. person is because as soon as I learn it, I teach it. Mm. As soon as I learn it, I do it. Um, and you know, I try to teach it in multiple different formats. To, like I'll come in. You know, sometimes pocket. Like I might have read a book this week of something that I, I heard and shared in a podcast. You know, and I have two. I have two of my own podcasts now. You know, one is specifically fitness business. One is the Vigor Life podcast. You know, I, here and there, I still hop on other people's podcasts. Uh, not not as often now anymore because it's just harder with my time. But but like I'll share stuff that I just learned, and as soon as I share it, it's more ingrained. Then I'll see a client and I'll bring it up. Then I'll then I'll coach a group class and I'll tell the story. You know, yeah. and then, that's what Joe Dispenza talks about too. If you can't teach it to somebody, it's not wired in the brain. Absolutely. You know, so teaching is the best form of learning. And, and, I, and I do this every single day. I mean, like every day like that. I mean, yeah. I don't have to even be at the gym, you know, nearly as much as I, I mean, honestly, like not a lot at all. Uh, I'm here 10, 12 hours a day every day if I'm in Seattle, if I'm not traveling, because I mean, one, I, I love my people. I love my team. I love our clients. I love our atmosphere. Uh, and but the thing is, like every day I get to share something I learned, whether it's on the floor, whether it's nutrition stuff, whether it's mindset stuff, maybe something, you know, it's just nonstop. And so I, I'm learning and teaching 365, you know, and, and so at least, you know, at least 12, 14 hours a day. Um, and I love it. And so like, that's, you know, and still like, obviously I only retain so much of everything that I take in, but it's certainly a lot more because more free. And, and what's great is that like, when you read different stuff, a lot of the dots connect. And I think that's relevancy. Benefits. you know is i do a lot of learn by doing meaning learn by doing i'm i'm in coaching programs and masterminds i help out you know i have my own business coaching program but then you know i run i help run uh jay Farouja's renegade brotherhood you know like um i don't know going to craig valentine's to speak on leadership i go to satemagali's i mean like i am doing just a lot of stuff you know and but for me it's always an opportunity to get better share the message ingrain more of my knowledge by by teaching it you know yeah. and, and actually doing it meaning doing even like hey like you know i have friends that like high level marketing guys will come in you know for a day or two like literally we're just working on marketing you know like writing copy going over stuff going like nah that shit won't work testing it oh fucking that flunked we just spent a bunch of money then like it's just non-stop you know and it's just i think it's a way of life you know learning and being curious and thirsty for knowledge is a way of life. It's not something you do. It's who you are. It's, it's uh, you know, it's, it's not like, oh, well, you know, this year I'm going to really take out and, and, and learn and grow. And then next year I'm going to take a break. No, it's fucking, it's just, it's just what you do. <laughs> I mean, like, so, it, you know, I, I think that's, that's very, very important. And then once you really kind of grasp it, you actually, end up, you, you love it. You know, you end up, um, uh, I, I would say you end up, like you end really up being important. able to reach out to people like Luca Hosevar 
to be able to speak about so many more much so much more than you thought you'd be able to speak about and just absolutely be in, engrossed in all this wonderful stuff yeah i mean it's you know and, and like i said this is for me it's like if i if i say yes i'm gonna you know i'm gonna sh- i'm gonna share and i don't i mean i get excited like i said like i just get excited of, to talk about this stuff i mean you yeah. can't you can't fake it if you come into the gym and i start talking about training and all the, like you'll never see me be like well you know like like i'm always fired up because i love this shit you know so it's um and i legitimately you could be calling me at two o'clock at night like i probably have to slap myself a little bit in the face but then when i start going like this, it, it, this is the stuff that lights me up you know um and you know steve, steve Jobs said i know i'm kind of veering off but i want to end on a note uh for any business owner or anybody that's like when you do have you know somebody that you you know how do you hire how do you do this how do you do that and, and steve jobs says something he said man if they don't have that twinkle in their eye then with the skill sets that they have are irrelevant you know and like the twinkle in the eyes that twinkle like the twinkle of like excitement and yeah. joy and curiosity yeah, and like even if you don't know much but you're like man like i'm like this is it you know and and i i, I think like judging collaborations with with that is that somebody doesn't have a twinkle you know so but i'll i'll leave, I'll leave on that note because otherwise I'll, I'll start actually i got a, another meeting soon but yeah <laughs> hopefully there was a, a a lot of uh takeaways like some like principles and higher level kind of just ten thousand foot views you know uh, thoughts but then also like some strategies that you can use in your coaching in your everyday life for yourself yeah. um it helps. It helps. It helps me as well. Choosing, carving my path with Good. coaching and everything. I'm happy to hear that, man. But uh, like you said, one, I am tremendous, tremendously grateful, man. Like I, I had a couple ideas of things that we'd touch on, uh, but just being able to talk to you and now for over an hour and a half about you know so many similarities and stuff you know obviously difference with background but with a basketball to diving into what's clearly you know you're not only curious but so passionate about the the fitness but the most like the behavioral change and all that we dove into with there man i'm thank you so much for taking the time to to teach me to help me understand more things to to talk about it as you know as we just touched upon you know that's how we ultimately learn it and to be able to share it and and also touch upon different you know practical things like tripping over questions and i really love you know different questions to ask oneself and like the ones you said with you know addressing okay i want to make this behavioral change and then you know how confident am i about that you know that actually hits me as well for something like writing uh, you know, blog something because I enjoy it, but I wasn't maybe doing it as much. So absolutely, just everything that we've really touched upon. Thank, thank you. It's it's been an honor. And how can uh, people get a hold of you or keep up with more of your stuff besides on on YouTube? Uh, man, three main thing, three main places. Uh, you know, VigorGroundFitness.com. That's our main site. We're actually redoing it. Um, we'll be hopefully new one will be up in about four weeks i mean it's, it's it's still live that's where all the podcasts go up on blogs yeah. go up on obviously the gym stuff is on there um i'm probably the most active on three different areas one is uh 
my IG, which is just Instagram.com uh, forward, uh, forward slash Luca Hosevar, L-U-K-A-H-O-C-E-V-A-R. So you can find me on Instagram. Um, uh, the Facebook, the Vigor Ground Fitness and Performance Facebook business page is insanely, extremely active. We post probably about 10 to 15 videos a week on there. Um, and then uh, YouTube, everything I do from the video perspective goes on YouTube from the podcast to, uh, seminars, to short videos, to long videos, to coaching videos, to nutrition, like everything. So, I mean, like I said, as of right now, I think it's over a thousand videos there. Um, and, um, I think that's about it. I mean, I'm I'm sure. Oh, uh, the podcast. So, uh, on iTunes, if you go to vigor life podcast, uh, and that podcast is like, I mean, the, the topics cover a lot of things, but in class as well, it's, very, it's definitely very culture. Uh, but I think it's a lot. The, the the things that I cover are just they're for everybody. Let's just put it that yeah. way. Um, and the second podcast that I started not long ago is uh yo the fitness and business podcast which me and steve krebs who are, are partnering back up uh started so yo the fitness and business podcast is also on the itunes and that is strictly like man we just go in on the fitness of uh the business of fitness like gym ownership online coaching um like that podcast is strictly for that business side and uh we're nine episodes in right now the reviews are are, are great i mean pretty much i just let it rip on there um, and we do a lot of Q and A's, meaning like when, when people send me questions on, uh, on Instagram, uh, that have anything to do with coaching, online coaching, fitness, business, uh, marketing, like we answer those questions on that show, yeah. uh, it's, it's, it's already took off and, and, and a lot, a lot of great feedback. So awesome. Well, thanks again so much, man. And, uh, I hope you have a wonderful weekend and take care of all the awesome stuff that's, that you got into. And, uh, I really look forward to staying in touch and, you know, Learning some more from you soon. Sounds good, my brother. Take care. All right. Thank you very much for tuning in and listening to these wonderful gifts, which I hope have brought you some great value. We have many more guests to come and gifts pour over this world. And don't forget, if you have enjoyed any of these episodes or would like to hear some more, please leave me a review on Apple or Anchor Podcast or that little star on Outcast. I'm always looking for topics to learn and talk about, gifts to share, and value to bring to us all. For more updates, check out SolomonEzra.com. You can also sign up for my newsletter about new podcasts and blogs.